gonna segue into it to let you get set up. I am excited that I have not seen Justice League, so that the only version I will ever watch is the Snyder Cut. I mean, I don't think either version is gonna be good. <laughs> but like, I I think you will probably end up watching the right one because. How can a bad hour movie be a better four hour TV yeah, show? I mean, that's it's Wait, not making gonna... a four hour TV show. The Snyder Cut is a four hour four episode show. It's not Basically, a movie. Wait, yeah. I thought that I thought that they canned it because it, because like of a family issue, not because. Oh, okay. So here's it's, what's up. It's so Snyder things. was directing yeah. it. Yeah. And his his daughter committed suicide, so he stepped right. away. Yes. And then John Weed took over and reshot a fuck ton of stuff, uh-huh. which is surprising because he, he, he's usually he, okay at making things. He usually, he rewrote and reshot enough of it to qualify <laughs> for co-writing and co-directing credit with the guilds, right. which oh, requires so that you. Uh, do a certain percentage of it. Yeah. So it was purely for the title. It wasn't even that like he felt it needed it. He just did it. So I mean, he could put it don't there. get me wrong. It also needed it. But the problem is, then you suddenly have two, a serious movie by a serious director who's not funny. Yeah. Two and completely different <laughs> movies mm-hmm. that are just mismatch. And any given scene is from one of yeah. those movies. Right. And yeah. and it They're does not work. And they've with like each other, yeah. you know Snyder. But how is it going to be four hours though? That's because that's how much so movie he made. Of, yeah. There's a <laughs> lot of footage that that Snyder shot that didn't get used and. They spent like $40 million reshooting shit. Right. Everyone thought it was like because done Snyder, and because... finished. A Snyder cut, if you will. But there was no finished cut. It wasn't edited. The effects weren't started. Oh, like, so there... they were done with uh, with with production, essentially. They weren't in, they were the, in post-production. For the most and part, like, but to... the production on that movie is also weird because they're in the middle of shooting it when, when Beavis comes out, when Batman, Vooperman, Superman... Uh, comes out into theaters <laughs> and becomes one of the most reviled modern blockbusters. Uh, yeah. One of uh, and and they like Justice League was supposed to be two movies, and they're in the middle of making these movies, and then the oh, reports that be come movies. back for mm. for uh, Beavis, and they have enough time to pivot <laughs> off of how bad the Beavis reception Beavis. is. But they don't have enough time to factor in the fact that people really like Wonder Woman. So if you watch Justice League, you're like, boy, they didn't give Wonder Woman fucking anything to do in this Uh whole movie. It's like how Infinity War was obviously made before Black Panther came out. Because otherwise Black Panther would have been like a main character in Infinity War. As opposed to one line and then he disappears. Um, And Endgame obviously made before uh, Captain Marvel was made because Captain Marvel is like one Captain of the Marvel most powerful people in the universe. Yeah. And, yeah. and it doesn't make sense. I mean, like that sequence of, I know they shot like Infinity War and Endgame, like basically back to back, but like they very pointedly went like, okay, the Black Panther characters have to be the first people out of these portals. Like they, they have to be the first ones out of here yeah, because people sure. love these characters. The, okay, well, also, the hardest... so you were... No, go ahead. Uh, I, I have to go back to this. You were talking about private... Uh, uh, some, a what? Oasis? Okay. <laughs> What's going on? Okay, so so Jared Leto... <laughs> I, need, I need receipts. So Jared Leto, uh, <laughs> indisputably one of the worst <laughs> human beings in, in the film industry. Just a terrible, wretched man uh, who is... Wait, really? Other yeah, than Joker, heard, he's like... I, other he's than, like, 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 okay, 
do you need to know, do you need to know anything more about a man than the fact that he mailed used condoms to, do you need to know anything more than the fact that he mailed like a pig carcass to his castmates? Do you need to know a second fact about this man to know he's garbage? I mean, like, also, Joker does things to people. (laughs) Okay. That was me trying. Hang on, hang on. That was me trying. But that's not. Yeah, thank you. Please, I I appreciate (laughs) you not even committing to that. It is just an excuse for wealthy white men to be assholes to the rest of their cast and get away with it. And I don't buy that. It makes your performance better. There is, you are playing a silly clown. There is nothing about playing that character that will affect your own personal mental state. It's felonious. It's just an excuse for people to be assholes. It's like, oh, I want to make the dynamic between us actors like more tense. It's like, they're good. First of all, that relies on you believing that the other (laughs) actors can't do their fucking job. Like, screw you, dude. Arrogance to be like, I need them to be uncomfortable around me, so I'm going to make them actually uncomfortable instead of relying on, I don't know, these incredible actors being incredible actors. Uh, To quote, uh, I think Laurence Olivier, why don't you try acting, Doc? Uh, or no, I'm sorry. It was Peter O'Toole. It was Peter O'Toole, and he said that to Dustin Hoffman. Um, oh my God. But uh, but anyway, so so what a dick move. Yeah. Well, okay, but that anyway. okay. Quick. Uh, that's that was during the movie Marathon Man, where Dustin Hoffman's character had been up for like 36 hours. So Dustin Hoffman stayed up for 36 hours, and he comes to set, and he's like delirious, and Peter O'Toole's like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" And he's like, "Well, I'm trying to be in character. You know, I've been up for 36 hours." And he's like, "Why don't you try acting?" <laughs> Like why don't you? Which is one of the best burns in the history of the industry. Um, Rather than overdoing something, why don't we just act like you're a professional? Why don't you do your job, Dustin? Um, It's (laughs) it's very funny to call him Dustin. Um, But but anyway, so Jared Leto found out about the coronavirus like a month ago. I don't understand because he and the. Jared Entirety Leto t- 30 seconds to Mars. The the Jared Leto <laughs> Sunshine Togetherhood um were were out on, you know, some some like we are experiencing nature and doing drugs in nature for like months and months at a time. And if you look at pictures of Jared Leto's little uh, get together, it is, he looks exactly like someone looks before they ask a group of people to kill themselves. And, (laughs) and so he, my man, my friend, yeah, old, old uh, 30 seconds to Jonestown himself comes out and is like, I only just learned about, coronavirus because i was leading a cult in the desert we are i think his new band name should be 30 seconds to sars <laughs> Ooh, wow yo caleb as far as the dad jokes go that one is like in its own category i don't even like it was so good that it was it, i I'm, I'm a little offended that you feel like you need to compliment me when i make a good joke this much, but also, I get it. Well, it's not Most that I need to joke. compliment you, it's like, this one hit different, and I need to <laughs> yeah. somehow... Oof. It's like, ooh, ah, mm, it This like one hurts. got me. This one got me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 30 seconds to SARS. I'm proud of it. 30 seconds to SARS. So. Uh, yeah, be. as well you should be. Uh, you can you can walk home on that one. If you want to stop the recording now, like, I understand. I get yeah, it if you want to, like... Guys. <laughs> if you want to take an early <laughs> one. Um, but yeah, so that is, that is, uh, uh, Jared Leto's little cult and we are, uh, there's just no way this ends well. Like there's just, no. I, there's not a universe 
where you follow the Joker into the desert and you come out of that whistling <laughs> Dixie. Like, there's just no way that that's gonna happen. You follow the weird dude from fucking Blade Runner 2049. You follow a Fight Club cast member into the desert. <laughs> Nothing good is going to happen. He wanted to destroy something beautiful. Very good. Uh, here, a uh, follow-up question before we get into the main thrust of the episode. Has Jared Leto ever been good in a movie? Because I think no. That's a complicated question. Um, but I liked him in Blade Runner 2049, but his character had like 30 seconds of screen time. Yeah, 30, 30, 30 seconds of screen time. Um, but okay, but also... <laughs> let me intentional that time, but let still me, good. Let me posit. It's, it's something I also apply to James Corden, right? Sure, he was fine well, in this role, but can you not think of eight other people off the top of your head who would have done that role better? I for mean, any Leto part, especially the one where he plays like a trans uh, woman. Uh, oh, Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, Dallas Buyers Club, where he decided just that that was uh, that was decidedly violent. Like yeah. when he went up and accepted an award for it with a full beard, being like, "I'm actually a man." It's just I like, dude, remember you're literally inciting violence. You might not realize it, but that is dangerous that behavior yeah it was like the 06 oscars after Brokeback when when heath and jake got on stage and were like <laughs> we made a gay cowboy movie but we're a very straight man and it was uh <laughs> it's just like fucking embarrassing i get that it was like 2006 like but also it was fucking 2006 comedies uh-huh when they used the r word when like just you could open up any exactly. marvel or dc comic book and see the r word or the f slur oh yeah um you know it was it was a rough time it was a rough go um, yo i started dodgeball today the um, a, a, a true like, underdog story whoa. yes 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 that one with ben, the dodgeball ben stiller the only and, other and movie Vince named Vaughn. dodgeball right I didn't know if you There's just like took one? up a dodgeball class. Seems like a weird time to do it during a pandemic, but I don't know. <laughs> yes, I watched. I watched <laughs> colloquial dodgeball today. Mm. No, I watched. I started dodgeball, a true underdog story today, and like within minutes, was like, oh, this is full of fat shaming, just fucking full of it. Rut row. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rut row That's rat waving. Riss Romney is not racist. The only I ever want to hear in a movie is Scooby Doo saying everything. <laughs> right? Yeah, I started that movie and was like, oh, I get it. It's because Ben Stiller's character is an asshole and runs a shitty gym, and shitty gyms do do this. Okay. And then it was like, we get it. Justin Long's character sharing his cheerleading experience, and I was like, are they just going to keep doing this? Yeah, because uh. you can kind of walk that line where, like, okay, the bad guy is a horrible fat shaming you're making a commentary on gym culture but then the movie also makes a bunch of fat jokes and it's like yeah. no 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 movie you cannot have both ways you cannot do this movie no, <laughs> i no, honestly no. quite frankly don't want it either way <laughs> i just i mean I, sure i, honestly, I still want to see it yeah. <laughs> i've seen that movie more than once in my in my days and i honestly could not tell you anything that happens of value in that. Like, I don't remember anything except for dodge, duck, dip, dive, dodge. That's the only thing I remember. I <laughs> that's a fucking blessing. Fruitcorn yeah. is an amazing man. But <laughs> necessary. Is it necessary, necessary for me to drink, for me my, to drink own my own urine? <laughs> no, but I do it anyway because it's sterile and I like my taste. Oh, I've seen that movie 4,000 <laughs> times. In high school, oh, many, Kevin, many, many high school Kevin loved Dodgeball, a true underdog yes. story. 
Um, yes. And I have been afraid for a long time big, to revisit it because movie. I was I was worried it was going to age into fucking dinosaur bones. And I'm glad you've confirmed that for me. <laughs> I only got through the first like 20 minutes, so I don't know. I don't remember if the rest of the movie does. I will update you all next week when we come back and when, do this again. But <laughs> when, you, when you finished your marathon screening of Dodgeball, a true underdog. Yeah. Your marathon, actually, it's not a marathon screening. It's just been it's been divided into several different sections for easier consumption. That is, is how so I watch a out. lot of movies, though. Uh, really? Because of just like time. You know, if it's not something that the yeah. girlfriend and I are specifically sitting down to watch, I'm like, oh, okay, this no is going to be broken up. Other room. And I don't even have a kid. Yeah. And like, you know, so I'm like, okay, this movie <laughs> is actually five 30-minute <laughs> shorts uh, that I am revisiting <laughs> over a period of days is how right. some so movies So you're ready exist. for the Snyder Cut is what you're saying, because that's the only way you can watch Justice League movies. I mean, well, I I'm am going to fucking scenes. watch it. Like, I am. At this point, like... Yeah, I I mm. do have to see because, it. You know why I'm going to watch gonna it? Because there's a part of me. It. Yeah, you know why I'm going to watch it? Because there's a part of me that's like, but like, what if it's fucking good? <laughs> and I know the reality of that sentiment coming to true, coming true anyway. It would be Zack Snyder's second good movie. So like, I guess he's overdue, but man. Wait, what's his first one? Dawn of the Dead. Oh, okay. With the exception of uh, some 2004 shit that hasn't aged well, speaking of exactly that topic from exactly that year, um, there is a lot about that movie that I think is quite good. But uh, also some bits that have uh, fucking uh, zombie bones, if I need to, like, vary up my my metaphors. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, I mean, Zack Snyder makes makes things for a very specific group of people, I think. And I am not... (laughs) No longer amongst them, you know, because yep. it was it was 2006. I was 14. I lived in a small town, so 300 was the greatest movie I had ever seen in my entire life. And now that I am <laughs> a, a grown ass uh, bisexual, that's one of the worst, most offensive movies I've ever seen. It is, yeah. But like, there's so many things from the comic that it does frame for frame, and it's like, uh huh, yeah, sure, cool, yeah. including the like horrible bigotry to every single group of people. It is possible to be bigoted against. Yeah, it's like um, it hits every base. I've never seen a movie hit all of them. I just, I can't. I don't. I'm sorry, it. Jace. This is advanced community studies uh, podcast <laughs> where we talk about. Uh, the American television comedy community, which has its own issues, but I shall say less so than the filmography of Zack Snyder. I am uh, one of your hosts, uh, TV's Kevin Lanigan, and what do I know? I'm just Jeff Winger's dumb gay dad. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. I had a good one and I forgot it. I'm Jace. Hello. Hi. I Hi. use they, them pronouns, and... I can't. I forgot. I literally had three, and they're all gone. Uh, my my roommate made fresh home homemade pasta, and that has completely overtaken my brain. You know what? <laughs> good, good for you. What's a worthy reason to have your brain taken over? He's got <laughs> carbs living up there now. I mean, come on, you can't beat that. I I, I I'm tempted. I I don't. I feel you, Caleb. Say yours before I say anything. <laughs> Daddy host. Wolf. The one who comes to the rescue when the others can't come up with. Their names, and I hey, am Daddy. Nicholas Nickel. You can call me Nicholas Nickleby this this episode. She won't shut up about him. Who is Nicholas Who Nickleby? Nicholas Nickleby? <laughs> you love to see it, folks. 
Um, I don't have any bits of business. Shall we just dive directly into... Oh, okay, hold on. One actual bit of business. And I don't want Liar. to take up too much of the episode. And uh, Jace, you can deny me if you don't want to be put on the spot. But you did uh-huh. message Caleb and myself that you were once again trying the Witcher television show. Yes! And I am I curious how this journey is developed. How can one not be curious? Um, <laughs> That's so funny. I forgot that I had, this was like an on-air conversation we had the first time. I, yeah, you I'm were blasphemous it. the first time, and we were like, it's bad. And we were like, how far did you get? And you were like, I watched I the first episode. And we were I, like, I, I, no. I go back, I didn't even finish the first episode. I just couldn't oh, crime do it. I think like, um, the, the, the finale really makes the first episode like excellent but the first time you're watching the the pilot is, you're like i don't know the most intriguing statement you could have possibly made about the it, show like i didn't think because i also watched that pilot and i'm like this is interesting i don't know what any of this is or what is happening yeah and, and episode two happens and you're like oh <laughs> this is what the show's about yeah, like okay. episode one is real dialogue heavy it's really reliant on you being like Oh, real focused and like there's politics and there's d- dynamics there's and there's a lot of names also, what are all these lot names? names and yeah, i'm like, and like i makes... don't know any of this culture i've never played any of the games i never read any of the books i just am yeah. not familiar with this but episode two comes along and you're introduced to my favorite character so far yennefer yennefer's the best i was like i literally yes, watched yes, it and i was yes. like this is this is the show I want to watch. Can we uh, watch the Yennefer show? Like, I, when is Yennefer gonna inter, in, like integrate with like? Wh- that's I what mean, I want to see. Yennefer, the, Witcher, like, in the fun fact: Witcher is mostly about Yennefer, and also Geralt shows up sometimes. Right, like she is the co-lead of yeah. the show, basically. Um, I just yeah. don't understand why they didn't even. It's, I guess they couldn't. I think she needed her own pilot episode, essentially. I don't know how else to say that, but like, no, sure. I yeah. agree. I agree. You couldn't. I kind of wish they had started with her. For me, like, sure. a pilot yeah. episode is an integral part of how a, a show is received, especially in the age of binge watching. It's like, if they can't hook you right out the gate, it's tricky. And for me, I'm watching this show. I love high fantasy as much as the next nerd, but like, damn, it just took me too long. Yeah. See, I think the biggest disconnect, I I think the biggest disconnect for you and and I'm obviously speaking for you, (laughs) but I think the biggest disconnect (laughs) for you in this instance perhaps is that like, I think for 90% of the population going into the Witcher show initially, right? The people that were excited by the announcement and trailer and were were there on day one, minute one when it was there. Were, there were there were two there. They kinds were there of people. For Geralt. Yeah. yeah, there were people they that were... were there for Geralt, and then there were people that had read all the books. There were there were so... two kinds of people who were interested in this show when it was announced and debuted on the same day as Cats. The first group of, of people were people that had played the games, I think, largely in North America, and and to a lesser extent, read the books. But secondly leading up to this show the thirst for cavill was fucking cooking we were boiling that pot they were like publishing stories about how his muscles could not be contained by his (laughs) costumes and they like kept bursting out in the middle of like scenes in between takes it's wild because you two were the ones that introduced me to this like henry cavill fanboy selection like (laughs) we're the biggest we're the two (laughs) i I mean clearly like it was just but yeah i remember watching it and i was like i know this is like the pride and joy of uh, wh- who where Poland 
Poland. Thank you. I couldn't. It's even, Poland. No, this like is like great literary uh, uh, right. uh, work, essentially. It's like, Poland's yeah. Lord of the Rings. Like Poland <laughs> loves that they are so proud of the Witcher series. When when Obama visited Poland, they gave him a copy of The Witcher That's Two right. for you PC. Yeah. Uh, this is can't. like their huge pop cultural moment that they all ra- uh, rallied around. And it is like extremely Polish, like the entire- I just, for uh, me, I, I wanted to be integrated into the world immediately. When it comes to high yes. fantasy, I'm like, show me the world. And this was, it was a small town. And then there was a seemingly unrelated, I, I can't remember if it was episode one or episode two, where the, there's like that war that starts to happen. That's the first one. That's that's <laughs> yeah. the pilot. And I remember being like, so they drop the, the the only elements they've given us of this world are one character, yeah, in an area that we don't actually know too much about him in a kind of in a, a kind of confusing plot line with two characters that just kind of disappear after the first episode, and yeah. then I'm assuming I'm assuming come back at some point, but still, um, and then that. and then a very specific. How far are, into the show are you? Before I've only seen the first two episodes, so oh, I actually okay. don't know. Okay. Before we, I know before that we talk that, that like. That one of the one of one of the the guys the like the lesser two evils plotline from the first episode, mm-hmm. that guy makes like a small appearance in episode two, I think, like towards the end or something. But like I just remember it was this guy with a lot of shrouded like it wasn't very clear on it, and then it was a very specific perspective on the politics of one kingdom in the world. And I was like, this is not how you catch my attention for a world building exercise. Yeah. You don't start here. So I, I was just like, what I don't but then getting into the second one, I was like, oh, I feel like I'm on a quest now. Like, I feel like I'm on an adventure. I feel like I've got a sense of the world. I understand a dynamic between the elves. Like, there's, like, there's a, an integration of magic that, like, wasn't... Because in the first episode, magic is just very, like, kind of vaguely there. And I'm just like, I yeah. don't understand what's yeah. happening. Kev, um, is it too soon in the show to talk about what time means to this show? Yeah, way to too talk soon. about way it to Jace right now? Yeah, way too okay. soon. Uh, so yeah. I have homework to do because clearly there's something that has to do with time, and I love playing with time as an artist, like in a theater creator. Time is one of my favorite things to play with. Oh, then you'll like um, this, homie. Um, but, <laughs> then also, but then also, I completely forgot what I was saying because there's pasta in front of me. I don't again even... carbs in the the brain, and I don't and I don't want to like talk too much about it <laughs> oh, uh, because we're like, still we're still on this journey. We'll do Jace episode. Witcher updates as as the episodes that's a, go. Oh like, yes. That's a, that's a great accountability tool because otherwise we should I'd have like just... a secondary podcast that is us rewatching season one of The Witcher uh, while would... finishing up season two of Community would and do. have like. T- <laughs> oh my god! Uh, yeah, it's oh it's very good, and I think it, before we segue into the show, we're actually here to talk about. There's just this is the first <laughs> fantasy thing to pick up in the wake of Game of Thrones. Right, because Game of Thrones comes right. out, it's huge. There are a lot of pretenders to that throne, which I've none also of, never seen, and none of those shows ever really picked up anywhere near the same amount of steam as Game of Thrones. I think part of right. why The Witcher has been so successful is that it's it's still fantasy, but it's very different. It's not trying to do exactly the same thing as Game of Thrones, and also The Witcher has a female showrunner, and half the episodes are written and or directed by women and game of thrones is so male and the people running that show have literally said like themes are for sixth grade book reports like we don't believe in the concept of 
themes in our work, which is all I ever need to know about. I love that that show. I'm sorry. Ended, I love that that show ended, and then DB Weiss and David Benioff held a panel where they basically outed themselves as having used Game of Thrones as like a multi-hundred million dollar fucking workshop <laughs> and yeah. immediately disney was like y'all not making a star wars anymore <laughs> yeah you're out so um and and their show about like what if the confederacy had won the civil war oh that my was god canceled. they were gonna do that too and they I just got announced that. today that they're adapting like three extraordinarily uh important works of chinese fantasy and i'm like i can't wait for that to get canceled like it's yeah, just how many um, uh non-chinese people they're gonna cast in that yeah exactly and so like the 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 witcher not only has like the female eye on Geralt at all times like mm -hmm. he while he works very well as like a straight male fantasy but he definitely also works as a, a straight piece male of, fantasy as a, a straight a fantasy for straight males to imprint themselves onto but he also that lens never he decidedly forgets. he breaches he breaches in a certain i i know what you I, I i think i know what you're talking about like when you talk about like in comic books because let's just face it we're talking we about like when you, in, in comic books the art you can decidedly see the way that men are portrayed and women are portrayed yes. as decidedly within the male gaze right you look at the women as objects of desire and you look at the men as objects of desire of yeah. like I just said the same thing. The, the <laughs> framing, like, it's all... I mean, like, all like, you like, ever need to know is, like, think of how many times you've seen a shot of Captain America's butt versus how many times Black Widow is turned right. around and facing you over her shoulder so you can see both it's boobies like, and butt. Right, and it's like you look at the way that, like... I mean, the number of, like comic book nerds that are like i want to be wolverine i'm like fucking what like i well i mean also i'm not i'm not a man so i wouldn't possibly <laughs> understand but like wolverine's also the frumpiest of the superheroes yeah but he's like, yeah, he feels the most realistically attainable stuff. for a lot of like comic yeah. book fans of being like yeah, the clueless but he's short he's hairy <laughs> but there's very decidedly the gaze in comic books vast majority of the time at least prior to now where things are starting to kind of switch up a tiny bit, tiny, mm. tiny bit, is that yeah. as it, like, women start the, to the work men on were comic represented books. as something that <laughs> they would desire to achieve, to become, right? It wasn't yeah. something like well, that. Well, and well, then in The Witcher, I mean, first of all, Henry Cavill exists in that world by himself. You don't need to lean into it, right? He's right. He is a dashing man, like just the jaw, the 100%. muscles. He's, he's got it. It's all there. It's all there. there right? Even his silly is, voice on the show in, that I in, love. But it's also it's, it's, yeah, it's very video game voice. Presented as this as this very strong character, but there's something soft about the gaze on him. And it's when you said that there was like female showrunners and writers, I was like, oh, that checks uh -huh. out. Because like Yeah, because he's not just like, ooh, he's strong and fuck stuff up. He's also very sensual. Like yes, and he, yes. he's a soft there's boy. moments there's he moments really you'll is. see there's moments you'll see later where like he's in a room full of people being very sexy and he's mm -hmm. being very sexy. And like, it's not a dude two... who's like, I could conquer this room. It's a dude that's oh. like, I wish I could just take my clothes off and be conquered in this room. Right. I think, I think conquer is the operative word because conquer is one of those things. It's like fantasized in masculine spaces is to conquer. It's this colonial. It's this fascist. I hate it anyway. Uh, <laughs> but like with, 
because it has to do with like treating the thing that you conquer as an object. It's this toxic masculinity thing. I could literally write an essay about it. But when it comes to, like, I can, uh, there's two things that come to mind. Uh, It's the scene where we see uh, Witcher kiss, I don't remember her name, in the first episode. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah. um, Yeah. And there's this, maybe something like that. It's close to that. I don't know. I don't know. There's, it's, it's a very, it's an elongated kiss. It's this moment that's, very like tender and it's very clearly not him conquering uh you know oh, that's him giving uh, in, an object of desire that's him giving that's, in right oh, yeah. the power dynamic is completely flipped and then yeah. oh, and then and then we find out that she's not actually the main female protagonist because <laughs> spoiler she does yeah but she then, doesn't make it out of that epi uh, no, don't worry, no, that's what she, Yennefer is there for. And, but then that's the other thing. You get into Yennefer, and she's so clearly just a really brilliant and beautiful betrayal of the trope of the female lead. She takes this, like, they take the idea of the witch, and they crank it up, and it's beautiful. Like, as just, I mean, the witch as a metaphor for, you know, I can't even, like, I'm literally getting flustered because there's so much in what being a witch means within, like, feminine portrayals and, like, you know, the the Witcher just, has like, a yeah. foundationally fascinating approach to uh, uh, sorceresses and and the female use of magic. It, it's truly mm-hmm. like fascinating. Yennefer is an exceptional character, exceptionally played. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's just there's this. And don't get me wrong, like, there's plenty of boobies on this show. Like there's no, sure. it's, it, it, there's lots of boobies, but the I the the power <laughs> is distinctly yeah. in a different corner than it was on a show like game of thrones or any number of other uh, properties we, right we could seek to but it's just recent yeah. and it's and it's also huge and there are two scenes like side by side from game of thrones because i've only seen like the first episode of game of thrones um and then i'm putting i'm putting them side by side in my head i know it's blasphemous but there's there's oh i'm not scoffing at that i'm scoffing it's at the like first episode which is uh, it sucks right. it's bad for <laughs> it's bizarre but there's like I, um, what's her name? I think she's she's kind of she's the really powerful one with the braids, blonde something. Uh, Cersei, Daenerys. where she's or, yeah, and she's being oh. prepared to be married off or something. Oh, right? that's, that's, Daenerys. 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 Yeah, that's Daenerys. Right, and it's very very clearly this is supposed that moment is like the women of the castle preparing her for like a womanly tradition, if you will, and it's very clearly a male gaze. And then I'm thinking of Yennefer crying, and you see literal snot come out of her nose, yes. and her pull it back in. And I saw that, and I was like, holy shit. Like, I, I don't know, it was this such is a how, This moment. is how people are. Oh my this god. Is, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, there's a moment, yeah. and like, without getting into digressions, I could talk about specifically this kind of thing forever. There's a moment near the end of uh, a Cormac McCarthy book turned movie called The Counselor, um, which oh, is a yes. dark and really hard to watch movie. Not in that like it's gratuitously violent. It's just Cormac McCarthy didn't write books where good guys won. He didn't. He just yeah. wrote books about shit being shit and like the the shit people dealing with it. Um, there's a moment at the end of that movie where Michael Fassbender breaks into like what are very clearly very well-acted, uncontrollable, messy, disgusting sobs. And, like, snots, like, shooting from his nose, and he's, like, shaking. And I was like, that dude knows how to summon emotion. Right. And, like, Jennifer does that shit in episode two immediately, and that's when I was like, yeah, this show's gonna fucking slap. Yeah, Because yeah, she's was... great, and Geralt isn't the typical male fantasy... Uh, trope of I am going to dominate this. He's 
the Geralt from the books that was frequently like, I'm going to go to a place not to fuck, but to get fucked. Yeah. <laughs> because that's Geralt. <laughs> he's that guy. For sure. He's that guy. Uh, Geralt's yeah, the ultimate himbo, guy. and we must respect him. Uh, yes. But you know, who, you know who's not the ultimate himbo? Jeff Wingard. Jeff Jeff wishes he was a himbo. Jeff Jeff Mm -hmm. aspires to himboism, but he just can't let himself be free enough. Himbosity? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The himbosity of Jeff Wingard is uh, particularly well utilized. (laughs) Um, Jeff Wingard took the himbocratic oath at age. (laughs) Himbocratic (laughs) I am, uh, am shook. <laughs> That's the best laugh I've gotten out of Kevin. It's I, every once in a while I get like a really good laugh out of you two, and I just feel so accomplished. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the best. I don't know the best is when you when you know what that looks like in somebody. <laughs> somebody who never laughed like long laughs, but if he loud proclaimed chuckle like, huh, it was like, yo, I got him to laugh. Yeah, so like, yeah. <laughs> Got him. I got him this time. Got him. Let's let's survey. How can I even get into these insanely good episodes? Insanely good episodes that work exquisitely well as a pair. Because Mm -hmm. not only because they take place like one night into the next day, but they also like a lot of the characters are dealing with the same problems that they were dealing with in the previous Mm -hmm. episode. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Uh, First episode. Season 2, episode 15, (laughs) early 21st century romanticism, uh, directed by Stephen Sprung. Once again, uh, Jeff, Duncan, and Chang uh, throw a party instead of watching a football game. Uh, Troy and Abed quote-unquote compete over the same woman, and Britta attempts to prove how cool she is uh, by showing up to a dance with a lesbian, and in uh, Britta fashion, it completely explodes right in her face. (laughs) A uh, lesbian? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, also in quotes, lesbian. lesbian. Um, I, uh, so I really like this episode. It's a very charming, funny episode. My issue with it comes is that the the two like runners because they're barely even like B plots. They're just like a few scenes each (laughs) of Britta and then the Troy and Abed thing are way more interesting than the A story where they're throwing a party at Jeff's apartment. I don't know if uh, that sentiment is shared amongst the group, but the Troy and Abed stories and the Brita story, I could talk about for hours. And the Jeff story, I was like, oh, that's funny. John Oliver's funny. I guess the Jeff story is the epitome of Jeff thinking he's super important and going to be bugged by his friends. (laughs) And the show making it clear that his friends can have good stories without him. They can exist without him, as remedial chaos theory will go on to prove. But, like, he's not as integral yeah. to all this as I, he wishes he right, there's right. a lot of good setup in his plot line uh i actually wouldn't even wow yeah is it i guess that is technically the a plot i this feels this is a, distinctly mm-hmm, like they're not mm-hmm. even a b and c plots it feels like they just went with yeah. like three plots like they were just like let's <laughs> kind of I, I just, I first of all, shouts out to the introduction of magnitude for the first time. Like, who pop, also does the pop pop first thing? He says, I know he says, says no, like, yo, what's yo, up, yo, yo. guys? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's I'm like, oh my, 
what? Well, he doesn't uh, and it's pop, pop right away. I two love- episodes from now, he's a full cartoon character that just says pop pop. Yep. Uh, right. But right now, while they're still like formulating who this guy's gonna be, uh, he just he just says pop pop. Pop pop. I just there's there are I mean there are some really golden gems in the in the winger plotline, but they, none of them come from Jeff. They all come from Chang and uh, and Duncan uh, and Duncan. Yeah, like literally. <laughs> I like. There's, there's a few moments that stick out to me. It's uh, written. Everything means vagina. <laughs> there's yeah. There's that. There's also. I'm thinking the one Chang <laughs> gets kicked out and then is handed the bag of hermit crabs and he goes, "Thanks a lot, idiot." <laughs> job, idiots. <laughs> you know, good I, job. I think like, this. Oh my god. It just. I think this goes rushing. to prove that like even a weaker plot line if you have john oliver and ken jong there like how bad could it possibly could ever it get <laughs> how bad could it be An- another another uh standout moment for me not in that plot line is actually the uh, the moment when troy and abed finally come up to the librarian which by the way do we ever get her name mariah mariah yeah. right so when they go up i completely they go up with the suitcase she goes what's in the briefcase do you want some she's like no i'm good she goes, okay good because we were really wanting to have these okay we really wanted them <laughs> we really wanted to so eat them yeah <laughs> like brilliant. this brilliant. this troy and abed plot line really boils down exactly what works and that we love about the troy and abed friendship is that any other fucking show would do some plot line where a woman comes between these two friends and they have a fight this show refuses to do that these two guys love each other more than some beautiful lady and and they will uh, troy refuses to let this for us and it just us us. (laughs) it just it just it just makes my heart so beautiful and i almost wish they had eventually gotten to some plot line where they were dating the same woman i'm not even saying like a thruple but i am saying like the two of them are dating the same woman at the same time I don't know. That could have been interesting. They never go there. They could have, they could have done like a twins, like we're dating twins plot line. But like, no, they never, they never breach that territory because it's, I think the important part isn't who they're dating. It's the fact that it's so important that whoever they're dating is friends with the other person. And just, and this show becomes so disinterested in who these characters are dating. Yeah. By this point, yeah. it barely cares. Like how much more, like who are they dating? Do we get over the course of this show? Like one more, like Brie Larson. Is that, it well, uh, tell me i think brie get- larson and abed's relationship is one of the best relationships in the show perfect facts. and it's facts. So two good. episodes two, two episodes. episodes spaced out <laughs> and i love yeah the, two the, the commentary seasons. i'm like you kind of ghosted me for like <laughs> months and it's like oh yeah you did you guys did like offer to go on a date with each other <laughs> and then it never happened and then there's the yeah, sorry. Rita thing, which is a whole other monster. Actually, okay. That's is, a whole thing, present... and we will unfortunately get to it. Isn't that yeah. mostly season four? Yeah. It's all season four. It's all... Right. Three has, <laughs> like, we're hinting at it. Like, they're they're kind of, like, warming up to it. But it never becomes something that, like, overwhelms an episode. Sure. Um, so it doesn't... Shot. It doesn't end up working very well, but in season three, it doesn't become harmful enough that it even, like, matters. Shocking. This episode has a moment of Pierce that makes me laugh very hard. And I usually Mm. don't like Pierce. (laughs) The opening Pierce? It's the opening. It's brilliant. He goes, you don't have anything to say? He goes, nothing off the top of my head. 
but I do have a prepared statement. And he just <laughs> oh, God. opens it up very seriously, takes what is clearly three or four pages front and back, and then he flips it, and then he just goes, and then cut to cut to theme song, which cut to theme song. Not to breach into the next episode too much, but it reminds me of uh, Troy freaking out, which we'll get into. Um, in in this in this um, comedy defining moment, like there's this thing. Uh, there are full compilations on YouTube, and like it's like a whole genre of TikTok and Vine and like all these like videos where it's. Uh, screams perfectly cut off. You know what I'm talking it's about? So oh, hundred. It's so good. And this and is like, you such an example. And like, first of all, that breath is is in that same vein. It's very much like you it's, get that, that. it's the it's, it's the it's so it's good. The, it's it's a SpongeBob. And when it comes like, back, boy, yeah, exactly. And then and when it comes back, and he's like, and in other words, good luck and bon appetit. Bon appetit. Several paragraphs of that were oddly. Supportive. <laughs> it's it's exciting. It's it's just not, wait it's until a, the one I have for you. Yeah, and it's, it's like it's uh, a good Pierce. And bit. immediately I hated uh, it. At that point, I was like, "Fuck this fucking uh, I hate this fuck guy. this fucking guy." There's a there's an excellent bit in in there. I also love that obviously from the season two premiere, we have learned that Gillian Jacobs can kiss funny. If you need her to kiss funny, so we do that <laughs> oh again God. with Season Paige the fake oh, lesbian. My goodness. Y'all, here's the thing. I don't though. I don't know if it tops the that tongue locking, but it's very good. It's good. It's, it's not the same. It's a very good. different moment. Season two um, and it, thing is so fucking rough. It's, it's so really funny. Rough. It's really funny. <laughs> here's the thing though. When, when, let's break let's break this let's break this down, right? Um, this whole like I thought you were a lesbian. I thought you were a lesbian. And they both like let's let's be very honest here, right? From a queer lens. Mm-hmm. I'm not about to put a label on someone, but these are characters and I'm going to analyze the crap out of them, right? Let's do it. They're both at least bisexual. Like there is no 100%. way there is no way you sit in that space and you go, Oh, I just want to be friends. Like if you're trying to be friends with a lesbian and be cool, never once does it cross your mind, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kiss the lesbian to show how cool I am with lesbians. That's not a thing, right? That <laughs> no. That's not a thing. In it. You they attempt could, to kiss the lesbian because you want to kiss the lesbian. That is what you do with the lesbian. All right? Let's, like, when it comes down to it, both of them want to kiss the other one because they think that they're flagging, hey, did right? Did you say lesbian? That's, I did. Correct. All right, I just wanted to point that out it's for anybody excellent. who might have missed it. <laughs> it was very good, and I I almost, it almost flew past me. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, like, it's it's very clear, and I, I mean, I love it. You know, I wish they had expanded on it more. I personally think that this could have been a great moment for an awakening. But the best part of this episode is not <laughs> that kiss. It, the best lesbian moment of the episode is not that kiss. It's the <laughs> almost kiss between Britta and Annie. It just it's fucking gets hysterical me. bit. It's so, it's so good. And, and they literally and Annie goes. Annie rolls her eyes and then looks at Britta and goes, oh, I mean, okay. And then Britta's like, 
Andy, Andy commits, commits. Like, was like <laughs> look at uh, these two like, very straight women <laughs> locked yeah, in this I exact mean, scenario. Look how straight these two are. Yeah, right. It's it's a fascinating lens to view these characters in, to say the least. What is who is the actor? I, I who is the actor that plays uh, Pierce's uh, pill hallucination? And Andy Dick. Dick. Ooh, is, both of you said that very loaded way. Oh, I just, a very loaded personality, I, just, I think. Yeah, I'm going to just say, don't Google it, but know that you are against him. Mm. I would I would say would be my advice to <laughs> you. Yeah. Know that you, you don't support Andy Dick. I can tell you that without you having read a word about him. Uh, you don't. <laughs> yeah, He's, it, it's true. It's true. Please take his word it's, for it. It's not great. I will. It's not great. And I don't know how public any of that was in the year of our Lord 2010 or 2011 when this episode comes out. Like, I don't know. But, like, you don't like Andy Dick. Right? Why do I always, what I will why say. Why do I always not conflate in the way that, like, I mix them up? But why do I, why do I have an inability to think of Andy Dick and not also think of Kathy Griffin? Uh, they were both uh, frequent guests on Whose Line Is It Anyway, I believe. Um, I don't know maybe if that means it. anything to you. Maybe that's... I, I don't know. I, I can't nail that down for you. I just didn't know, <laughs> if, you, I didn't know if there was right something, if I would say that and you'd go, oh, this. But I wish I could, but I can't. I, you said Whose Line Is It Anyway, and I immediately thought of something that happens in the next episode. Uh, but I don't want to go there just yet. I'm so I'm holding it like in the back right, of my not, head. Not just yet. Um, I do. I mean, I found pictures here with Andy Dick and Kathy Griffin, um, like together. Is it because so they I look don't... similar to me in my brain? Were they on the same <laughs> show? I don't remember. Um, I don't. Fun fact. Uh, no. It's just in drag the whole time. There is an IGN board post called Andy Dick and Kathy Griffin are the same person. Well, Kathy Griffin totally looks like Andy Dick in no makeup. So I, there is a... Maybe I just think, I, maybe I actually conflate their faces together. Maybe you're just like literally combining the two yeah. of their faces. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's just funny. That's very uh, I apologize, but I, I, I think <laughs> that maybe helped you get to the bottom of this mystery, is that they more, just like literally am, look similar. <laughs> I am closer to solving it than I was before I brought it up. So at the <laughs> very least, so, progress uh, made. Zoink scoop, we're going to solve this tell Based on that alone, it's quarantine and I have a kid. I take victories where I get them. <laughs> I absolutely, I agree. You take whatever small victories you can, my dude. <laughs> and if it's realizing why you conflate Andy Dick and Kathy Griffin, then good for you. I guess my brain did a little thing and I remembered a moment in this episode that I always remember every time I watch it. Uh, and it's when yes. Troy is defending Abed when... Uh, you just uh, Miranda the Saw movies. Well, there uh, are eight literally of them, you, and they did redefine the genre. And I literally, for me, because for the longest time, I didn't used to like horror movies, and now I do like horror movies. I'm like very much into it. Um, but for me, yeah, Saw no, was always Shutter. Yeah, Shutter's great. Shutter's re- Shutter's a great site. I'm not here to make fun of Shutter. No, absolutely. I um, but like they bought they brought back Joe Bob Briggs on Shutter. That's where uh, price of, uh, admission alone. Who you know, Elvira? Oh, the drag the drive through thing. Yeah, like a drive-through movie. Like he, his was being like a guy outside of a trailer park talking about the movie, and Elvira was the spooky 
uh, vampire lady, but it's the same bit. Like, I'm going to interrupt the movie and talk for a little bit uh, and throw you to our sponsors, and then we'll come yeah, back. I, the first episode is a little weird because he, he starts talking about, uh, like, beauty pageants and trans gender folks and i was just like this, this is not this is not okay I anyway know. i don't know where this is gonna go <laughs> i don't know if you're the person i want to hear talk about these things anyway but the the thing uh about that moment in this episode is literally every time because saw was always on the like i just can't do it list right it was like for sure just that self-inflicted pain like that yeah, kind of gore. saw is kind of the dawn of torture porn yeah yeah yeah, yeah it yeah, is yeah. the dawn yeah it was um uh, it, back in 2000. It kicked off the. It did, as Troy said, redefine the genre. Right, like and, it was. It was a complete fucking game. And change. every time I get to this moment in the series, I go, "Fuck, should I watch Saw?" <laughs> you know, like and and then I I always and then I think about it and then I never answer my own question because I think I'm afraid of the answer. You know, I'm like, I, I from what I understand, the first one is both quite good and not as gory as the ripoff artists or the sequels would have you believe sure. the first um, one is genuinely like oh fuck and they it's like what carrie elwes and danny glover elwes, like it's got like glover, yeah, real actors in it <laughs> and there's a new there's a new movie from <laughs> hollywood spiral from the, the, the book, book of saw. saw yeah that's got uh uh chris, chris rock, rock as like a, and he a like wrote it <laughs> and he wrote and he, it and he wrote oh, it. Oh, I saw uh, that. So, Isn't Sam Jackson? I in don't. Movie too? Probably. Yeah. Like Sounds like something he would be in. And I was like, uh, yeah, we okay. love Sam Jackson. He's a legend. Uh, I can't believe we haven't even talked about my favorite part of this episode yet, right. which is the bare naked ladies. Are oh my god! Which that is was going to be my one of this morning. One of the, the top. Yeah, uh, and they have two Billboard Awards to your zero. Why don't you remove the knife from the back of the most celebrated Canadian alt-rock band of the mid-90s, you selfish, jaded ass? <laughs> and it's this, like, I don't I don't know if we're intentionally, like, homaging the social network here, but it feels very social network that it's like we're having two conversations at the same time. Like that opening sequence of the... One, yeah. Yeah, and no one is sure what you're arguing Oof, about at any given point. The sequence of that movie fucking gets me every time. I love it. Social Network? Oh, yeah. Great film. Near perfect film. Uh, but this this argument back and forth about BNL, and I am a BNL fan. I love the Bare Naked I can't, Ladies. I can't. This is so funny. It's so I genuinely, I, I feel good. so bad because I was, my introduction was genuinely going to be like, uh, hi, what's up? My name is Jace. I use they, them pronouns. But for the rest of this uh, podcast, you can refer to me as multi-platinum BNL. winning artist. Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah. Oh, they're BNL now? We need an abbreviation for the Bare Naked Ladies. <laughs> they're that important to our day to day. Yes. <laughs> I agree. I think I love uh, Bare Naked Ladies. They, I, we all know the song "One Week," uh, which is, I think, a very good. Did song. Did they also do the but theme song for um, the uh, Big, Big Bang, Bang Theory? Theory? Which, hey, to be fair, I don't like Big Bang Theory. Theme song slaps. Exactly. Exactly. I think they have a "God Rest You Merry Gentlemen" song. They did. Oh, the they have a whole Christmas Sarah album. The fucking Sarah Auckland. Um, it's really yeah. good. Um, I think some of their music is like legitimately beautiful songs about like, we can never return to places we once lived, uh, pain becoming a crutch for alcoholism. And all of it sounds very silly and very funny and like a Canadian alt rock band. Uh, but I think a lot of it is like legitimately beautiful. And some of it is very funny without being like, you know, being uh, Weird Al Yankovic. right. And I love Weird Al, I mean, but that's like, that not a different. Are you? 
<laughs> are you? Yeah, uh, we love the Bare Naked Ladies. This is a Bare Naked Ladies fucking stand podcast. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's an incredible moment. Can't be topped. Great moment. The episode peaks at the beginning <laughs> with that with that argument with the Pierce monologue and then the BNL argument where uh, we're fucking uh, back. and then Shirley disappears and then reappears at the end of the episode to the point where you're like, what? Shirley was at this dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, I haven't this, seen is, this her. is interesting because I do kind of feel at a certain point it's really frustrating because there's like a trade off, right? Like season two is really is like just some of the best episodes in the entire run of the show. But it's also an area where we start to realize that Shirley is severely underutilized. Like they don't really. But it's, it's great because in the next episode, they almost kind of comment on it. They use it to their advantage. They like do. Intentionally or no, we are perfectly set up for the next episode and we might as well you know, segue into sure, why not uh this is uh season two episode 16 intermediate documentary filmmaking directed by joe russo written by megan gans uh with pierce in the hospital issuing his final bequeathments uh <laughs> to the study group they are all put through the psychological Sh- ringer with the exception of <laughs> Abed. and and I don't think I need to tell either of you that this is a fucking incredible 10 out of 10 episode. This is but it's one of the best. It is. And like, listen, you can watch this episode just as an incredibly funny or touching piece of television, which of course it is. But it's also like a brilliant use of the form. Like, it's not just that we're doing a takeoff on mockumentary style, which was huge at the time. Parks and Rec, The Office. Uh, The director of this episode, Joe Russo, is, like, really responsible for bringing it into, like, Western television with Arrested Development. They don't have, like, direct-to-camera, but that Mm -hmm. show is, like, a mockumentary style. And, And one, we take Abed out of the equation. Because Abed would be so, so difficult to incorporate into this episode as a part of Pierce's bequeathments. Challenging mm-hmm. him doesn't work in the same way that it does with any of these other characters. That's true. That's right. <laughs> it, it also, they brilliantly use the format to do storytelling decisions they wouldn't be able to otherwise. Yeah. So, like... You are tr- this this Troy plotline, right? Where he cannot communicate with LeVar Burton. He's comatose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the documentary format gives you the perfect envelope to cut away to Troy in the bathroom. And we don't need to know how he got there or how he got out of his comatose state to go cry in the bathroom. Right, yeah. Because he's already there. Or him he's screaming, screaming and the... ranting and raving in the lunchroom. Um, um and, that and we don't need to earlier. know how he got there. That cut-off scream. That, that This is another it's way... Perfect. The format allows that moment to happen. So yeah, good. It's the whole, like... Uh, what is he saying right before then? It's the whole... I only wanted... A you picture. can't disappoint a picture! And the, like, the, the cultural moments of this episode are the Troy plotline, like, yeah. those gifs, yeah. those quotes, they are, co- they are everywhere, and deservedly so. They are fucking hysterically funny. But every part of this episode is good all of the character plot lines and challenges i shockingly am a huge fan of the brita uh plot line but it also continues to pay off of the valentine's dance where 
she's questioning like, do I actually believe anything that's coming out of my mouth? Like, am I doing this all? Am I a fucking fraud? Am I a sham? And it's very important that we come to the conclusion that she does believe everything she's saying, but in she is also simultaneously full of shit, that it's really like more about her than it is about any of the causes and how much she actually believes in them. And that it's brilliant. It's like it, it completely opens up this character in a way we hadn't gotten to. Sure. At this this is one of those, those magical season two pastiche episodes that just fucking this was like because like season one did it a little bit but like season two is when they really started to play with the idea of having isolated episodes in different like styles you know like aesthetics the pastiche of it all and this is one of those peak moments like they like (laughs) it it it, it feels like somebody at one point said uh, could we possibly have abed do a mockumentary I don't it feels like somebody was like, I mean, look at all these great shows that are on right now, like, you know, The Office, Parks and Rec, they do this. And somebody went, you know, I think we could do it better. I think we could in one episode. It's cheap cheap. to shoot that way. We're doing all in a hospital. Our only non-main cast member is the the uh, the nurse, the orderly, and she doesn't. We don't need to pay <laughs> used, her a big buck to like use all part. their budget on the car crash in the second half of the episode. I think like, they did. They probably I think did. they were like, like burned through all other, of it. The other thing that's really great about this episode is it reminds me of that thing, Kevin, that you say that you love about this show is when they pull off those really kind of sad endings. It's like there's like watching Jeff beat the crap out of Pierce is this. It's upsetting. It's upsetting. upsetting. You, as the audience, you're like, I mean, yeah, fucking Pierce deserved that shit. Fuck that guy. But also at the same time, you're like, like, look at these friends. Yeah. And they're friends, you know, supposedly friends. Literally the end of the episode of the previous episode is Jeff being like, hey, Pierce, let these people into your heart because they're they're knocking, you know, and like, we love you. And the episode, the episode right after that just shows Pierce's complete ignorance to it all and just the manipulative nature of it all. It's just, it, it's he doesn't actually want to be included. He wants to be in charge. And that is his whole character dynamic. And I think this episode really nails that down the best where, because it's, we're starting to see how, the villainous tendencies of that kind of behavior. He's not trying to be included in these events. He wants to be in charge of these events. You know, yeah. when he wanted to be included yeah. in Dungeons and Dragons, it wasn't that he wanted to be included. When he inserted himself in, he was like, I'm going to derail this because I'm in charge now. And it was I just. I still love his, like, do you like being excluded from things? And he's like, yes! <laughs> yes! Uh, yeah. Which is uh, exceptional, oh, yeah. like a perfect version of that. Um, dynamic just, i mean yeah. god this episode is good yeah. god, this episode it just is feels good. so bad for jeff like you're watching the, <laughs> the there's this moment um it's it's a great moment i don't think it's the best acted moment in the whole episode but it's this really strong moment that i always think back to and it's uh jeff sitting in his chair doing the whole like and don't you dare splice this was with clips of me freaking out footage of me freaking he's like, out he's footage of me freaking out <laughs> throws his phone <laughs> yeah throws his phone rips the thing but where he just kind of leans back in his chair and he goes ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's really good it's very, this is also another moment where like jeff is the only one who gets abed's pop cultural references he yeah understands the documentary format as well as Abed does to the point where he can be like, don't you intercut this with footage of me freaking out because I know it's exactly what you're going to fucking do. Um, Is there footage of you freaking out? Um, It's it's just this... And 
also, again, look at how good... Look at how far Joel McHale has come as, like, a performer. Yeah. Since, like, the pilot of Community. Like... This, this monologue he gives directly to Pierce in one unbroken take, like, if you're lying to me, if my father isn't coming, if a car pulls up and it's anyone other than my father, say, an actor or you in a wig, if you try to pull any Ferris Bueller, Parent Trap, Three's Company, FX, FX2, The Deadly Art of Illusion bullshit, I will beat you. I will beat you. Nothing madcap or wacky about it. Right, which is good. Like, And, and that's all- another advantage of the documentary exactly. is he can say bullshit and they can just bleep it out. And the other thing that's great is, like, also, there's a beautiful foreshadow in that. He goes, there will be nothing madcap or wacky about it. And when he does beat him up, it's a decided break from the wackiness of this episode where it's genuinely like, this is frightening. And we get to have, like, shaky handheld cam. Uh-huh. So it just has all this extra, tension. Uh, like, born supremacy, <laughs> like, uh, uh, tension added to it because we're yeah. in the documentary form. They just... Now, the thing that sets Community apart from these other shows that will attempt also like pastiche episodes uh-huh. is that they know the format they're aping. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, how to use it well, where it fails, and they can perfectly jump around it. And in the end, they come to the conclusion like, you know, I, I also wish I could explain everything directly to camera. Like, it works. It's a, it's an effective form to tell a television. They kind of also, I love that there's very clearly like a moment for me watching this that the, you, you can tell that the writers um, are when are speaking through Abed. He's like fish in a barrel, like basically being like, mm-hmm. look, using this format makes things easy. You know, like you can really easily just get a laugh out of it. And yes, when it first came out, it was a novel idea and that was the artistry behind it. But then there's also something very formulaic and you can just do it super easily. Um, but then the fact that they use the format to their advantage in ways that's typically not used, like the jump cut kind of thing, is not something that they typically use in mockumentary style. On like Parks and Rec, yeah. they won't because it's Parks more and about Rec, being a real time despite mm-hmm. of the of the day. And this is like Abed. They very clearly are playing with the concept of editing. Editing. It's the editing of the of the show is Abed's character. And in these other yes. shows, the editing isn't a character. The editing is just the format, and that's what makes it so cool and allows you to have this brilliant Shirley moment where she goes, where Abed comes in. What are you doing? And he goes, Oh, I was, you know, I was, oh, I was just filming oh, myself talking. And, you know, uh, or did you not? I think it stems back from, right. <laughs> yeah, I think it stems from my cut. Like, just, like, these moments, but also just, like, the way that they use that to develop, like, Shirley's character. It's a really exciting moment. Um, also, so, this is a I little bit so of much that it cuts away after that anyway. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, included allowed... her talking about not being a part of my... it and then still took <laughs> right. her out of it. It's good. I think it. It's yeah, that's true. we have this extra meta layer on top of it where like if you're Parks and Rec, if you're The Office, despite the fact that you have like characters talking to camera, that it's shot in a documentary style, you are almost never acknowledging the camera people that are surrounding you at all. Until you're like, if you're like, if you're in until like the last episode of The Office, which I haven't seen, but like they never acknowledge it with very very rare can i exceptions. can i derail us for a second and ask why Please the do. fuck you don't believe in happiness why i don't Speak? believe in happiness yeah why, why well, have you I not watched the end of the office when i was a I child st- <laughs> <laughs> i asked Hard for cut. that no i asked for that i appreciate it you did you set me up for it perfectly and i do appreciate that <laughs> shut up punchline 
I the 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 reason I haven't seen um the final season of The Office is because like I religiously watched the first five seasons and the fifth I felt was slipping a little bit. This is high school Kevin talking. And then I got to Jim and Pam's wedding and I said, I think this is I think I can get out here. And I'm like, I still That's end. I, ha- I don't have to watch this show atrophy. That's I don't fair. have to. And I hear there's That's great stuff fair. after it. Yeah. I saw a little bit of after Andy took over the office mm. and it was, it was rough. I mean, look, I often and refer so to I just, the I, office there are as like the like only reason you come back is Jim whole and Pam. seasons I haven't seen. Yeah. yeah. And I think that makes sense, you know, What's to be up? like, I, I was, I, the whole idea, like for me, I used to say the only reason you keep coming back to the office is for Jim and Pam. Like, without Jim and Pam, even though, like, let's be honest, Jim's kind of an asshole. But for some reason, we love him because he's so freaking funny. Um, But, like, yeah, is he an asshole? Yeah, he picks on one of his coworkers the entire series because he does his job. But his coworker's his best friend. Is he? Yes. You guys have not finished the show, apparently. I have. I have finished the show. Dude. Um, Dwight is his best I, you know, friend. Not at the beginning, I don't, though. Uh, <laughs> not at the beginning, they're not friends. This is a total tangent that I did not want to get into. Completely different. We can stop. I we'll do want to put this Yeah, it's there. fine. I don't... Um, I Kevin will like, though, because there's a moment in this episode. Yes, you, Kevin. Yes. That yes. Brita, that's a brilliant actor. By the way, if you're listening to this and you have not read Kevin's essay on Brita, what are you doing with your life? It's so good. But there's Thank this you. moment in this episode where you look at Britta and she has this moment of self-discovery. And self-discovery is such a fascinating uh, part of her character, you know, because yeah. it's so like so much of her character is reliant on her never having full self-discovery moments. She seems to she believes she understands who she is and that's what causes this dissonance with her. But there's this moment and then she goes, Britta, Britta, win. And it's just you start. It's when we start to see this goofiness about her where she's comfortable and there was some discourse about the essay somebody was saying that they related i wish i could remember who it was on twitter that they related so strongly with britta because it's the idea of as you get more comfortable with these people you let new sides of you show and there's that moment where it's i watch that and she's like i'm just i'm just bad with my money and i'm just like i know her in that moment i know her I understand this character. That that episode is so crucial to like. If there's one th- episode that that my essay can trace like all of this back to, it's this one. Yeah. Where like I feel like this character, not only for herself but also for us, the audience, has now been unlocked in a way that she hasn't previously. As much as I've enjoyed almost everything she's done up until this point, sure. I we are now fully in a new dimension of this character and i believe you're quoting uh a friend of the show host of another community podcast uh their name is jillian who said like yeah i also like uh i i come off as one way you know that there's a line coming up next season for britta where jeff says like you seem smarter when i met you and it's like whether whether (laughs) you're doing it intentionally or it's just because just because of how you come off the the person that we meet in the in the pilot is still the same character Absolutely. but she has allowed herself she's become to unshell yeah. she's yeah. become comfortable it and was... maybe comfortable with herself in a way she mm-hmm. hasn't up until this point this is a vulnerable um, moment i think this is one of the first times we've had a couple you know okay we could talk about like the abed christmas episode but it's there's times like look these these as a group the study group the study group like has moments where they like 
have troubling times together. This is Absolutely. arguably one of the first major vulnerable moments for the entire group. Like they are all faced with something that it isn't just one of them facing a hardship and they're gathering around. It's like uh, there's a hardship that directly affects all of them. They're like someone very Everybody close to all of them. <laughs> I think he's I think Abed is also In affected. This is how he is processing how affected that's super real because sure. he processes sure, yeah. the film. And I think he's also in on it, to be fair. I think he oh, also he's 100% is 100% in on it. That because that, that's, the, that's the beginning when he's like, I find about Pierce the documentary. intensely boring as a subject. Yeah, and he talks about the documentary <laughs> format and how he says it's kind of like fish in a barrel. And then he cuts to Pierce a few seconds later explaining he's not really dying. He's just using this to get back at everybody. And then it cuts back to right. Abed. He goes, see, fish in a barrel. Like Abed's yeah, in on it the whole fucking time. He's right. just like, I get to practice filmmaking. So like, I'll do it. And, I mean, and that doesn't take away right. from the emotional, you know, moment of like one of your really close friends who's very old, just had like a very major episode with narcotics, essentially. Like sure. this is a scary yeah. moment yeah. for all of them. Right. And, there's this, uh, there's just a certain amount of like vulnerability that we see with these characters right now. I don't know. I forget where, why I started this, but that it, this episode really just kind of it does it does a lot. It does a lot for these characters and the relationships with each other, um, and it also comes right at a really pivotal moment with like how Pierce's character is developing. It's this was a really nice like like at the end of a slide. There's like that little bit of a curve that strains you out. We're just coming. We're coming out of a tunnel you know like there's a moment of change over these past few episodes and this is that moment of just like splashing down into a new pool and it's like sorry it's, it's our dismount it's our that's it. 100%. See, it's, your, it's, your flare, it's your flare in an airplane on the way down to the runway where right, you exactly. belly up so you come down soft yeah it's that like ah here we are we've made okay. it right yeah absolutely absolutely and what a good show so well. what a good television if i've learned anything <laughs> if, I've, if i've learned anything about this group it's that if one of us is going to start a thought and be unable to finish it, undoubtedly someone else in the group will know exactly what they were trying to say. <laughs> someone is on the same way, yeah. and we will and we will pick it up. We've done we've done uh, how many episodes now? We can we we understand each other. I have no idea. What episode are we on? Uh, of our show yeah. that we are recording together. Twenty four. I was gonna say twenty four. Right. Twenty four recorded entirely in quarantine. Wow. America, get your shit together. Almost <laughs> half a year. Yeah. Someone of, today was like uh, episodes. <laughs> someone today was like, "You've got that tonight. Your schedule is so inconsistent." I was like, "Homie, I've done this for over twenty weeks. Every Tuesday, <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Inconsistent. <laughs> what are you doing? Every single Tuesday, without fail. We've we've been in these chairs. Uh, and like you know, before we leave this episode, like." I love Jeff and Britta's like being each other's dads, like hypothetical conversation. Oh, which is that was the thing excellent. I was thinking of earlier. The whose line is it anyway reference. Yeah, just this uh, yeah. moment of the writers being like improv, and they're like, but it's pre-written. <laughs> and it's the fact that not once do either of these characters who decidedly have no reason to understand the integral rules of improvisation, neither one of them take any chance to where they decidedly could have very easily said no stop that they all yes and in a bizarre 
completely <laughs> propelling moment. Like they fully so embrace. Britta comes close and then Jeff like doubles down. She's like, "What? Why?" And he's like, oh, "I don't know. <laughs> I was drunk." And her mom gets frisky when she hears "Oh, go boy, go." And now we're in. Now it's personal. Now we're in, and we're gonna we're gonna keep doubling down. Oh, it's so fucking good. And, and then it's, it's, uh, and, and whatever. I'm I'm Jeff Winger's stupid dad who's dumb gay dumb dad. dad. <laughs> <laughs> dumb gay oh. dad. Like, oh, oh it's so good. It's exceptional. And I, I would be amiss if I did not uh, bring up the complicult and uh, explain them, Brian. Explain them, uh, Brian. <laughs> it's also really great to, to hear. Uh, it's, it's, I wouldn't say great. That's not the right word. It's fascinating to watch Britta immediately use gay in a slightly derogatory sense immediately after yeah. flaunting how non-homophobic she is for an entire fucking episode. Also, yeah, can exactly. Can I point out uh, how openly, how quickly... The, the previous episode, which I meant to say this during our conversation about it, but how much the previous episode dates itself, because the the can, the core conceit of two women being at a dance together would not draw attention anymore. The world has no, changed. It's, it's much more normal. And like that whole episode's built on a thing that like just wouldn't be news anymore. <laughs> be like, there's oh, yeah. also, right. There's also something that happens. Well, it depends what town you're in, but in Colorado, it depends. Well, I don't know. It's complicated, but like, there's way. something at the beginning too that's very clearly like a pop culture reference that's like oddly specific. Most of the pop culture references in the show rely on them being like at least ten years old, so that everybody knows what they are and they're established. But there's I can't remember what it was. It's the beginning of that of the 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 the, the first one. I don't know. They're sitting at the table and there's something very very specifically dated. I can't remember what it is. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, well, I can't remember this so, anyway. so cut this part out. Uh, but anyway, yeah, like two two lesbians dancing to I think a Chromeo song right. feels very dated at this point. It's like, oh, uh, this, is, this wouldn't be a thing. This is not headline news, even in like I mean, Colorado is a fairly blue state, but no state is entirely blue. Colorado is also nor nor does red pockets very red yeah. Pockets. Nor does blue mean that you are as accepting as uh, the the blue color would would mean that you are. Sure. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Did that sentence make any fucking sense? I, I mean, <laughs> just because somewhere votes Kev, Democrat doesn't it, mean that they're mean, like... Yes, no? I just made it clear, Kev, that the three of us might be on a different wavelength. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> It made sense to us, but at the same time, that is not a good metric anymore. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't, doesn't make sense shit. to the audience. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's fine. I've... None of them know what you're talking about. Right. Well, exactly. Like, yeah, I've, I've and someone just sense. turned off this podcast and was like, "I this I can't anymore." <laughs> they, I think they've lost they their the minds. It might minute <laughs> talking about DC superhero movies. They never talk about the show the podcast actually about, and they speak in complete nonsense. Right. It's clearly yeah, yeah. just three guys the... that can't wait to talk about how much they want to fuck <laughs> Henry Cavill. <laughs> this show should be called the Henry Cavill fuckers. Yeah. Uh, we are not the Greendale Three. We are the Cavill heads. Yeah. We're the uh, Cavill excellent. threesome. Oh, yes. And, uh, and we segue now <laughs> into uh, our ranking section, which we do every week, uh, where we rank episodes and end tags. Uh, end tags first... Okay. The first one is taste testing Valentine's heart. Oh, this one's so good! <laughs> it's cute. I love this one. This one hits a soft spot for me because this is like such an exploratory episode or tag for me because it starts to. It's one of those moments. It reminds me of the early ones, but also in a new way where it's like they're just doing ridiculous yeah. things. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I love any of these tags where Abed is like gentle and mysterious and Troy is just like so fascinated with this man. Like he's Great. just so, he just loves this guy so much that he's like, do, do something else cool. <laughs> like it's, There's got I love to be it. a way we can make money off of this. <laughs> it's so cute. I've been cheating. So and of course, <laughs> and then Troy goes to read the heart to be like, that's not what it says. What? That's a shitty Valentine heart to give someone. <laughs> I've been cheating. I've been cheating. Oh, <laughs> uh, excellent. Hmm. Hmm. Where are we looking? Okay, another holiday one. Oh, Christmas Troy. A little lower, in my opinion. A little lower. Well, then we're in the in the morning pocket. Uh, in the morning with Rich. In the morning with Star Burns. It's it's below <laughs> flagpole email voicemail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I would, I think vending machine spaceship, like we're in the right zone here. I would probably put it above vending machine, but that's just like personal taste. I just think this one's really cute. This one is really cute. I <sighs> Spaceships, lots of shows. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, just to be contrarian, I'm going to say it's just below vending machine and leave it up to Caleb. <laughs> it's just below vending machine. Yeah, um, so it's, Kevin it's says above vending on, machine. I say below vending machine. Your move. <laughs> on either side. Below vending machine. Below? Okay, great. Yeah. Because uh, destroy number, accidentally uh, making a vending machine poke him in the butt is really funny to me. For it's some great. Reason. We love funny. to see it. We love to see that exploratory. We love to see it. His, yeah. his digital exploration. Stimulate that prostate, Troy. Stimulate it. Yo, um, will there be butt stuff? No? That's fine. I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it. Okay, but this next one. Do they do dinner stuff to your butts? Do they LeVar pay you or if you let Bert. them do stuff to your butts? That's fine. I'll do it. <laughs> Sorry. Dinner with LeVar. LeVar is the next one. Dinner with LeVar. That's fine. More for Kunta. More fish for Kunta. More fish for Kunta. Okay. I'm sorry. One last thing about this documentary episode. <laughs> do it. The introduction of LeVar Burton, I think, for me, is key to understanding why this show works so well. Now, hear me out here. LeVar Burton was a main cast member on Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, and what Community does well is also what Star Trek The Next Generation does well, is that they will give you an episode, they will give you a problem and usually a character focused problem. You understand all the rules of what must be accomplished. Sure. Here. Like they perfectly set up like, okay, these are the rules of a conspiracy theory. These are the rules of a zombie uh, episode or even the normal episodes quote mm -hmm. unquote where like you are so clear in all of the the plots of like 21st century romanticism a quote unquote normal episode mm -hmm. i understand the rules i understand the stakes i understand how it affects all of these characters and that is also what the good episodes of uh tng would do and i just i uh, that just really stuck out to me in the doc episode especially because we were just talking about how yeah. well defined yeah. every aspect of it is. sure yeah 100 percent. anyway Sorry, that was the last, last one. Um, but anyway, Dinner with LeVar, I really like this one. This one might be kind of kind of mid-level to high for me. I don't know how we feel. Sort of mm. disagree, personally. Oh. I think it's a good okay. one. Ace, make your case, please. I, the sad part is I don't even think I have a case. I think I think it's a great It just doesn't tag. tickle you the it same way. It doesn't like, tickle me the same way as others. Like, I... Not... 
Like, I literally, I'm looking at this. I think my marker for if I go up, I the first one I always look at. I haven't told you this. The first one I look at is slut. And if in reading, in reading, <laughs> no, that's slut, our that's our measure. Like, I can tick. immediately hear what that moment is, and that's my ranking up. Is it top? Is it bottom? And to me, it's is, below is slut. A- anything in this tag better than Donald Glover's screaming the word slut. <laughs> yeah. And and if it isn't, then it isn't. And that's okay. That's my marker. I don't know if what y'all do, but that is the first thing I do. Just decide, is it a, is it top know. 15 or is it below that? And for me, it's just that's a little bit below that. It, it's a great, yeah. it's, it is a good one. There's something really, this one has one of the better payoffs later on. I think it's like a, for sure. <laughs> tag a sure. sure. But like as, as a standalone tag, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. I'm gonna it's say. Good. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna give it. If it, I have to give it a number. Uh, between matching outfits and Gone Before Breakfast. Okay, so you're down like 25. Yeah. 25 of uh almost 40 now. That's still okay. Decent. Mine's better than Valentine Hearts. So better than Valentine Hearts. One. Okay, so we're we're floating around here. Um, I would put this just like right above valentine hearts yeah, i think yeah. just like that's what i was gonna say. okay do 21 yeah do it okay that's that's then valid we'll number uh 20 with one dinner with lavar is the v capitalized in lavar burton i think it might be yeah too late now it is now uh <laughs> all right and now oh shit the episodes oh, shit. themselves this is so difficult fuck shit. okay 21st century romanticism i'm looking like here around 12 with accounting for lawyers yeah. like this is a this is a really good episode. It is a good very one. Good. Very good. I don't think it's top ten, but I think it's I think you're actually pretty spot on in that in that area. Um, is that as good as basic right rocket here. science? Straight up. Yeah, not as good as basic rocket science. No, <laughs> but like <laughs> debate yeah. debate one oh nine, we can have a conversation. Oh, oh yo, can I just, can I can I derail us again? I don't Ooh. know why I ask because we do it anyway. No, go for um, it. Do what I dare you. Know, we've talked about how the MCU is just littered with Marvel characters. Mm-hmm. The fucking debate uh, yeah, the... is in two movies. What? Yeah. He's um, the guy in Winter Soldier you, who refuses you... to who refuses to target <laughs> or like activate the ships. Uh-huh. And then he's yeah. on the new helicarrier in Ultron that shows up when Sarko- uh, Sokovia is like flying over the ground. Wait, the, guy, yeah, that's... the guy with the, the, the wheel? The guy in the wheelchair? Guess... Jeremy, yeah. uh, Jeremy Soulpatch Simmons. Oh, is, yeah, he's in two of these. I'm going to have to do an entire MCU rewatch just to find my, my wife and I <laughs> Well, you know what? That, Jason, let me tell you, when I saw this motherfucker's face, I was like, why do I know him? Why <laughs> do I know face? him? Who I was yet like, another I've seen character. Him recently. I don't know what from. And then I like IMDb'd him, and he's not known for community. So I was like, how the fuck do I know? So scrolling through his history, I finally found it and was like, holy shit. Uh, and then, so well, you know what? Like MCU stands for Marvel Community Universe. I mean, there are, there are look, there's so many. I'm sure we've talked about this already. Oh, all can the I, can actors, I almost podcast too? Almost. Can I share a fun fact with this podcast that I learned when talking yeah. to Yvette Nicole Brown? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, of course. She who is in Avengers Endgame recorded. Rock on. The rooster that was my... her up and asked her to record a bit to be in an Avengers movie, and she was like, "Uh, duh, of course." And... I like I like getting paid. Yes, yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they did it, and then she forgot about it, and it wasn't in Infinity War, and she recorded it before Infinity War, so she thought the mm. Russos just. Lost in translation, forgot to tell her they weren't able to use it. And wait, the elevator scene? Almost two years later, she's watching Endgame with her friends, 
and realizes they're time traveling back to the 70s. And she was like, wait, I put on a hairdo for this scene. And like, wait, and then saw herself in the elevator. And she said it was one of the best experiences she's ever had in wow. a movie theater. Because she oh, was in a movie, wow. she didn't realize she was going to oh. Oh, I that. love it. That oh wow, that just speaks That's to so many beautiful. levels of secrecy within the MCU. Where I, that is yeah. how she was like the Russos. The Russos did not tell me, uh, and didn't remind me that it was going to be there, knowing that I would watch it and it would be a great experience. And I was like, That's who, who? Yeah. That's fantastic. who has it crossed over? Joel, Allison, and and Gilly. Are, yeah, I think are the ones who have it. Those are the three big. Allison was almost. She. Well, no, she was almost Agent Thirteen in Winter Soldier. The the part that went to Emily Van Camp. Yes. Uh, the his neighbor in Winter oh, Soldier. Yeah. I think the the blonde also lady that she might be She Hulk. I think that's just fan speculation. They're at like, this point. like it's just whoa, like. Be... I mean, don't get me wrong. She'd kill it. I'd love to see. Uh, but I I don't think there's any basis to it. I think the casting report said an Allison Brie type. It did. It which did. is hilarious which, that like, they just haven't out gone out to just cast Allison Brie. <laughs> Like, also, come doing? on, like, you have, you can, you literally have the power to basically say, hey, look, I mean, if we want you, we want you. And the fact, <laughs> why would they? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. It's very strange. But uh, it, she was almost uh, Sharon Carter. And Sharon Carter is, I think, like, the one good guy character who doesn't come back for Endgame. She is not in that final fight sequence. And I think maybe if it was Brie that would be a much more popular character. I think I think Brie could have done something with it that uh, that the, the, the Emily just didn't. I'm sorry. Emily. Also, I, her I, and Sharon I, you're a nice actor. It's more sense cuz she looks more like the actress who plays Peggy she Carter. She looks like fucking Peggy Carter. Yeah. <laughs> like she <laughs> okay. the here is how hard Sharon Carter flops. Oof. They have him end up with Peggy in the Jeez. end. <laughs> That is how hard that character <laughs> flops. Is that they send him back in time to be with the person he's supposed to be with? Ouch! I'm sorry. No, um, I mean, it's just, real. just happening. <laughs> you said it was real, I'm, but it doesn't mean it wasn't. Am I? Like that thing you said it I hurt, wrong? but it felt like it was true. It was am I true. wrong? Uh, okay, so here's the question I must ask you: Is anything in 21st century romanticism better than Donald Glover's politically conservative fight raps in football <laughs> feminism? In you? No, <laughs> no, it's not. No, I'm afraid not. But I think it is better than Asian Bing Bong sing along is going to be something I do for the rest of my life. So oh, yeah, absolutely. it's uh, exceptionally good. But I think new number fifteen, right above Asian population, I can, works. I for can me. dig it for sure. S one e fifteen, early twenty first century romanticism. Get your get community. Get your episode titles. Season early. two. I. Oh, you're right. Season two. I'm a dummy. Isn't that a dummy? Okay. <laughs> at I did an at, at sign. <laughs> season at. That was that's the Yahoo season because it's online. Uh, <laughs> all right, and now this is intermediate five. documentary filmmaking. This is top five for me. It's number three, beneath Dungeons and Dragons, above Modern Warfare. I think yep. intermediate documentary is one of the be- one of my favorite pieces of TV. It's a top five episode of the series it's for awesome. me. I think. I can't argue. I so. I also say three. Yeah, that that checks out. Oh, and perhaps oh, I love this the liberation of any. I love episode. it when when I come in. I'm like, I rank this episode really high. Are these two going to be on board for that? And then you both are. It's uh, it's incredible. You're like, yes. oh, cool. This uh, this worked out. 
wow, I didn't have to, like, fight my... Y'all are gonna have to deal with me when I say, like, you know, the end tags after Troy leaves that are just these bizarre flights of fancy hey, are, like, the best. Like, you're gonna have to deal with I me when I say, you, like, the Yakuza like, origin story is, like, my favorite I have one. told you, the second you bring up how dope the Brazilian Gremlins post-credits tag is, I'm gonna be right there with you. And we're coming up on my number one favorite end tag of all time, uh, which is uh, Fiddler Please. Uh, so <laughs> it's so fucking good. Uh, but we have we've done our rankings, and now uh, we segue into uh, the section of the show that we call plugs. Uh, I'll, we've already mentioned a couple of mine, so I'll just I'll just go first. Um, yes, I published a sixty-four hundred word essay about uh, TV's Britta Perry. Uh, you can read it right now. Uh, on tvskevin.substack.com. I really, this is the first episode we recorded since I released it, and the returns and the feedback have been uh, excellent. And I really, really appreciate all that everybody had to say, or even like the constructive criticism that I got was like uh, notable, or even just like uh, helping me reframe things that I had difficulty articulating. Um, so that's really my plug is like, read that up. Uh, it's my uh, most popular uh, published uh, work at this point. Not surprising anyone, I think. <laughs> no. And uh, I, I really appreciate everyone, all you uh, community nuts out there that, that have checked it out. Uh, truly, uh, thank you. And that that's it for me this week. Yeah, I don't really have much of a plug this week. Uh, I'm just going to say, you know, follow me on a Twitter or Instagram at at J-A-C-E-N-Z-I-E-V. Jason Ziv. Yeah, I think for me, I, I do want to take a moment to kind of, it's not a plug. It's just, we, look, we talk way too much about comic books and superheroes to not just take a moment to acknowledge, you know, Chadwick Boseman and the news that has shaken the world. I just, it, that that one hurt. That one hurt, and uh, you know, just really kind of just such a. I I don't have words to describe, kind of how important this this, this human was. Um, but like, he will be missed, um, and I just kind of wanted to give him a little bit of a, a little bit of a nod myself because like, damn, damn, like whoa. Well, that was actually that was actually my. Uh, oh. <laughs> well, you you speak to your relation to it though. No, right? yeah, it's fine. Um, I there's a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of times, I guess you could say, that people comment on or like criticize or just talk about people and things they do without mm-hmm. the full understanding of what that may, that person may or may not be going through. And like this week, we found out that a guy who we all had grown to love in his roles did them all while struggling with basically terminal cancer. Um, and I think it should be aside from just like a pretty fucking sobering moment a moment that reminds people that like you never fucking know what other people are going through and that and it's not just like i had to replace a tire today and i fucking hate that sometimes it's like i visited a cancer ward today as black panther knowing full well i have a cancer i likely won't beat yeah Yeah. and like he did all of that without telling anybody like no one and that's just wild um so yeah, just like before you say something shitty or want to be like, oh, I'm a shit take. Before you do that, just think about the fact that there are people, and in many cases, the people you may be wanting to have a funny shit take on, like they might be going through some shit because you never know. And you know, as someone who's had chronic depression for 
almost a decade, you uh, literally never know when someone's going through it. Mm-hmm. So be kind. That's right. That's my shout out. Be kind. Be kind. That's right. What a great, yeah. what a great pop pop, you know? Pop pop. And that is that is what we say. Oh, I, um, I, thought you, I thought you were saying what a good dad, <laughs> but you called me Pop. Oh, also, and I was also, like, Pop Pop is more of a grandpa oh in tournament. My, my kids have kids if they choose to. Uh, I'm going by Pop Pop, and I hope I you, that. I hope you oh, understand. My God, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we Pop will Pop start Pop. calling you Pop Pop in that instance. Uh, as well. I hope that. I'll okay. just, I'll just um, forego it entirely and refer to you strictly as Magnitude. I mean, well. <laughs> When that day happens, know that that will not happen without my uh, eyes suddenly becoming moist. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Which is perhaps the worst way I could The think. weirdest way you could have said that, Caleb. <laughs> without my eyes becoming moist. My eyes become moist. What is that, Henry Cavill? My eyes become moist. <laughs> That's not just God. eyes. Whoa, I just cry when it I see It was implied, him. Caleb. Damn it. <laughs> We didn't need you to do the legwork for us. <laughs> Henry Henry Cavill has become our new uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. We have a very different relation to him, but he just comes up every week now. Well, what it's worth, Jake Gyllenhaal's kind of a thirst trap to me too. But oh, I mean, hundred percent. You do realize you just managed to use Henry Cavill to bring in Jake Gyllenhaal. Like you just kind of <laughs> exactly. Just, I I this is the second time I brought him up in this episode, actually, and I am I'm impressed with the both of you that we restrained ourselves. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, I will act as the beam. I brought up uh, masses that are Henry early. Cavill and Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> no yeah. one heard what I just said. Uh, I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> I'll hear it when I edit. <laughs> Please, when you do. Repeat it into the group so I don't have to repeat it. <laughs> it was perfect. I'm so we'll looking forward to it. Uh, I think I think Mission Impossible Fallout is still on uh, Hulu. If y'all want to see uh, some tasty fucking Henry Cavill, if you've seen The Witcher and you want to see some more tasty fucking Henry Cavill, yeah, um, with a big old and just box and just imagine how good of a Superman he could have been in a decent set of films. If they didn't have to, I'm glad he's overcome. His away. Yeah. Or, like, if he had been allowed to play a character, which instead he was playing uh, nothing, and I don't think that's his fault. It was just literally nothing. It was a character defined by what he isn't, not by what he is. Uh, But we will be back next week uh, with a uh, political episode and an episode that I I don't remember at all. Uh, So until that next time, uh, we say pop pop. See, I wanted to finish it for you. This sounded so strange with my new audio situation that you helped me with, Caleb. I was like hearing myself singing for the first time. You're hearing yourself? Oh, suddenly I hate no. Yeah, I had to use my Yeti with like that specifically for like three or four months before I was like, oh, yeah, no, I'm just kind of used to my voice now. But initially yeah. it was like, oh, hey, 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 dude, shut the fuck up. I hate your voice. I mean, I've heard recordings of my voice for so long just from like singing and like just what I do outside of this. But like it's still when you don't hear like a true playback of your voice for like a long period of time and you hear it, it's always that like it's slightly less like resonant, slightly higher than you expected to be. And you're like, oh, what? Huh. Oh, I was like, uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> That's what I sound like? <laughs>
<laughs> hey. oh, Jim, Jim Gaffigan oh. has a wonderful joke where he's talking about looking at pictures of himself and being like, who's that fat guy? Oh, no, it's me. <laughs> That's my listening to my own voice. <laughs> Who, ew, who's that? Oh. This has been a Talkback Podcast. That was quite a show.